Thank you for listening to City Hill Dubai podcast. The Exodus is our brand new series about God's salvation coming through in a time when people are scared and vulnerable. In the series, we also look at questions about finding our identity, our purpose in life, and how to find hope in unprecedented times. Join us in this epic journey where we will discover redemption, identity, and hope. A video format of this series is also available on our YouTube channel, City Hill Dubai. For more information, visit www.cityhillglobal.com. Hello, everybody. We are so glad you could join us today from wherever you are around the world. And we're going to be continuing with our series from the book of Exodus. And today we're going to be looking at Exodus 5. And we're going to be looking at the story of the people of God. Now Moses going back to spend time with the people of God, but also to confront Pharaoh. And today I want us to look at that. And I'm going to ask Joel to really help us to understand, just to do it like an overview of the whole mm. story in Exodus 5. Yeah, I mean, what we see in Exodus 5 is, but like you said, the first time where uh, God and Pharaoh seem to come toe-to-toe, yeah. seem to clash. It's, a, it's the first showdown. And we kind of, if you know the story, you know it doesn't go particularly well. But we should expect that because Pharaoh time and time again yeah. hardens his heart against God and, and will not let the people of Israel go. But what we see from chapter 5 is um, there seems to be no room in Egypt for the God of Israel. Mm. And there seems to be, in God's kingdom, no room for uh, Pharaoh in his kingdom. We don't just see two gods but heads here. We see two kingdoms really yes. collide, two very different economies, um, socioeconomic structures and systems yeah. that are so different, and they just don't seem to gel. Right. They seem to collide. And we know the story in chapter 5, as Moses asks Pharaoh to let Israel go, Pharaoh's response is, I have no idea about this God who you're talking about. Yeah. Furthermore, I'm not going to let Israel go. And on top of that, I'm going to make life so difficult for them that they won't have any time to think about God and worshipping God. And already there, I think it's easy to draw a comparison to our own lives. Yes, We can be so busy. Uh, The kingdom of the world makes us so busy that we don't have time to think about God and and worshipping God. It can almost feel like the world is saying, who's this God of yours anyway? Absolutely. And And there's no room for him. Yeah, here in, yeah. In, in this system, in this structure. So I, I know I heard someone say once that to understand um, what a God is like or to understand the kind of God that is maybe worshipped in a city or in a culture, yeah. a country, maybe even in a, a family and, dare say, in, in a church potentially, yes. you need to look at the kind of socioeconomic system mm-hmm. and the kind of culture that that God legitimates and creates mm. or allows to take place. That's very good. And so what I would love to do is I'd love to, to look at Pharaoh uh-huh. and see the kind of system and structure that existed in Egypt. Yes. And it tells us a lot about the kind of God that Pharaoh actually is. Mm-hmm. And then I want us to look at the God of Israel, Yahweh, yes. who ultimately is the God of rest uh-huh. and the kind of system and culture that he creates and what that tells us about him. Yes. And I guess round off by looking at the fact that these two systems just don't seem to come together. Great. God has to take Israel out of one and into another. Okay, great. Let's look at Pharaoh. Let's start there. Why don't we do that? So I think, yeah, when we look at Pharaoh and we look at 
uh, Egypt and the, the culture that is created in Egypt. Mm. Um, and it's really the culture that, of course, Pharaoh, who is a god of Egypt, but also the gods that he worships, mm. uh, legitimate and authorize to, to kind of take place. Mm. I think we see th- three things. Uh, we see um, overproduction mm-hmm. in a huge way. It's a yeah. culture of overproduction. There's a culture of exploitation. Mm. And there's also a culture of anxiety, relentless mm. anxiety. Great. So firstly, overproduction. What we see in Egypt is this system of backbreaking, mm-hmm. uh, overproduction and overperformance, yes. I think, in a way. Um, you know, the average brickmaker or actually a skilled brickmaker in um, Egypt, someone who was a slave, who was good at what they do, mm. would have made apparently on average about 3,000 bricks a day. Oh, wow. That That's was what they were targeted to, to make. And if they Goodness. didn't do it, which often they didn't, they, of course, were punished and, and beaten. Yeah. Now, these bricks were used in order to create um, big storage cities, supply cities. Mm. Um, what's a supply city? Basically, they're storage units, mm-hmm. big buildings used to store pharaohs, excess of wealth. Wow. So in Egypt, it was all about creating wealth. Wow. And not just enough wealth to get by or to live well, but yes. an excess of wealth. And that wealth had to be stored. And I guess mm-hmm. in those days, wealth was measured in, in grain, right? Sure. So yeah. they had a lot of grain, they had a lot of wealth. And because it had excess grain or excess wealth, it had to be stored somewhere. Right. So it was all about accumulation and all getting about, as much as you can. Absolutely. All about accumulation. And of course, more wealth, more grain mm-hmm. means an oversupply. Mm-hmm. And that means more supply cities have to be made. And that means more bricks have to be made. And of course, that means more slavery and more of a burden on the people of Israel. And it, again, it's a never-ending cycle. It's a never-ending cycle. And again, you don't have to look far do you, to draw comparisons to our own culture today. And what does it look like in our culture today? The more wealth we produce and more wealth we have, it seems to be honoring of, of, the, of the gods that we serve in this culture. Mm-hmm. And you you get more, you mm-hmm. make more, mm-hmm. you uh, consume more, mm-hmm. you end up having a bigger house to store mm-hmm. all the things that you're mm-hmm. consuming and buying, yeah. and you have to earn more money. Mm-hmm. And you end up on this 24-7 endless treadmill of overproduction and oversupply that seems to be honoring of, of the culture in which we live. Wow. So you mentioned the overproduction. You've talked about overproduction, but you also said you're going to be covering also exploitation. So tell me more about that. In um, in Egypt, people are, I guess, dehumanized. They, they become commodities. Mm-hmm. Um, they are dispatched, if you like. Mm-hmm. We look at Israel. These slaves are dispatched in order to maintain this endless cycle of overproduction mm-hmm. that ultimately serves the purpose of um honoring Pharaoh and enriching him him Mm. and his kind of self-aggrandizement scheme, if you like, that was going on. And these people just dehumanized um, commodities in order to to make that Mm. a reality. Apparently, Mm. um, the average uh, pyramid Mm -hmm. took about 24 and a half million bricks to make. You think how much work this single brick maker has to do and and Israel in general in order to make, to build a pyramid. What's a pyramid all about? It's about honoring Mm. Pharaoh. But the other other interesting thing that you've just been talking about there is that Pharaoh seems to be quite fixated in numbers. And the most important thing for him is the number of people that are there who are able to do the work because he has to establish all these big structures 
pyramids and all these mm. um, structures that he wants to to put together so for his own name and for his own name's sake. Yeah. And he talks to Moses and he says, the, the people are great, the numbers are great, which means they're I can numerous. produce, they're numerous, yeah. I can produce more, I can make more. And I think it's very similar to our society right now where we dehumanize, even mm. as you said, you, we dehumanize um, man because we are focusing more on the numbers. Yeah. It's all yeah. about the numbers. Yeah. Uh, how many people work for me? How many people can I employ? How many people can I get to do this? And, and also it's about figures and numbers all the mm. time. And when we start talking about numbers and figures, often we forget the people behind the numbers and the figures. Right. How many people can I lay off today? Yeah. It's all about the numbers. Yeah. It's not about the community, the individuals, their families. So in Pharaoh's economy, it looks as though it's all about figures and numbers. And sometimes we can live our lives as believers mm. and we can treat people just as numbers, yeah. really, because they, they don't really matter. What, what can they produce? What, How much can they produce? Exactly. And you're probably fine in your, your job, your Esther. I mean, yeah. I was in sales for many years and... You know, it's, let's look at your numbers, what yes. you produce yes. over and over and over again. And you exactly. do feel like a commodity just dispatched in order to make money and keep this cycle of overproduction going. Even people's salaries, mm. six-figure salaries, which is all figures, all isn't figures, it? All figures, oh, all I, I mean, this, this is the figure that yeah. I need. I can only do it if I get this figure. It's all about... We live in a society mm. of numbers and mm. figures. Mm. And it's quite worrying because as we engage more with numbers and figures, we then begin to think less of individuals and yes. people yeah. and communities yeah. and families. Yeah. And that is the kingdom of Pharaoh and how it operates. Would you agree? I think what, what we see there then is uh, two economies at work. Yeah. So in Pharaoh's economy and in the world's economy, people are out there dispatched to make figures yeah. and to produce figures. Um, exploitation. But God doesn't think about people in that way. God right. doesn't dispatch people in order for them to be commodities mm. to exploit. Um, I think it's in Deuteronomy 7 where God is saying essentially to Israel, um, it wasn't because you were so numerous yes. that I set my sights on you, that I loved you. Wow, it was go. simply because I loved you. Yeah. It wasn't because of how many you were. In fact, you were not the most numerous people. It wasn't because of what you could do. Mm. It's just I simply loved you. So in God's economy, it's about his love, his mm. affection, it's about community, it's about family, it's about you, and it's not about the numbers. That's absolutely right. So that's very mm. interesting to mm. see how the two economies mm. kind of collide. And, yes. and Great. thirdly, it's a culture of anxiety. Mm. Pharaoh and, and the gods worshipped in, in Egypt at the time just legitimate this culture of constant anxiety. I'm just going to pull this over and read these verses. If you've got um, your Bible with you and you open it up to Exodus 5, yes. what we see here is this kind of, I would call it like a frenzied rhetoric mm -hmm. from Pharaoh mm -hmm. that just, it's just an anxious rhetoric of do, 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 yes. do. It basically says this, look, yes. verse 4. Why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. Verse 5, you make them rest from their burdens. Verse 7 to 8, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Mm. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it. For if they are idle, or lazy, mm -hmm. therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 9, he says, let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor 
at it and pay no regard to lying words. Mm. 10 to 11, I will not give you straw. Go ahead and get the straw yourselves, wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. Mm. And chapter verse 13, uh, the taskmasters were urgent saying, complete your work, complete your daily task each day as when there was straw. Then the foreman in verse 14, uh, people of Israel whom Pharaoh's taskmasters set over them were beaten and were asked, why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Pharaoh's was basically saying, you're idle, you're idle. That is why you want to go and sacrifice to the Lord. Pharaoh himself seems to be restless, Mm. anxious, totally concerned about production and numbers. And you've got this culture of anxiety Mm. running throughout. And there's an Old Testament scholar called Walter Brueggemann, who I know actually Mm. was probably you that uh, got me connected (laughs) with this guy. And he puts it beautifully when looking at Exodus chapter five. And he brilliantly draws a comparison between what we see in Exodus and in Egypt, this system of anxiety. And I think what we see in our culture today, and I just want to read what he says, because I I can't say it any better. He says this, This creates a society of 24-7 multitasking in order to achieve, accomplish, perform, Mm -hmm. and possess. The rat race of such predation and usurpation is relentless. Mm. The twists and turns throughout all of life, leaving an aftermath of inescapable anxiety that is often unmanageable, Mm. which is to say unbearable. It is a weight that leads people to do unthinkable things, like jump off bridges and sacrifice their children, whether literal or metaphorical. Mm. And all of it, in essence, says something about the deity under whom they live. Wow. And I think that's it in a nutshell. I mean, listening to that, it sounds like there's this preoccupation with all this, I mean, he calls it a red race. Yeah. It's just this preoccupation of producing and, and, and acquiring more. There really, from what I'm reading there, as I'm listening to you, there really is no room for God. Yeah. In the, just the way I exactly. see it. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm. That's Pharaoh. That's Pharaoh's world. Pharaoh and, and the gods of Egypt, they legitimate this culture of restlessness, mm. anxiety, mm. overproduction, um, commoditization of people. And we, what we see here is suddenly God, the God of Israel, not just come and challenge Pharaoh, but come and... I guess, break into that culture in mm. order to rescue Israel out. And we see two worlds really collide here. Mm. Uh, God suddenly comes into the orbit of Egypt. Great. And we see that he is the God of rest. Wonderful. So, yeah, talk about your thoughts on the God of rest that we see come and collide with the God of Egypt. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, the whole of Scripture is about the God of rest. Mm. So you look at Genesis 2, uh, verse 2, it talks about how God created the world, yes. created everything, he created man, he created all that we see around us. And on the seventh day, God rested. Mm. So it's the, there's the Sabbath there. And did God rest because he was tired? Did he rest because he was depressed? Did he rest because he was loaded and overloaded with work yeah. and depleted? Or did why did God rest in Genesis? God rested because he had created everything. 
and he wanted to fellowship. Mm. And that's very important that he had time with man, time with his creation and fellowship. And what normally happens is that when God speaks of rest, fellowship is also in play. He didn't in that that message. And of course, in fellowshipping with God, it translates into fellowshipping with other people mm. as well. So you're not just busy mm. focusing on your screen and and the, you know and the demands that are running and yeah. targets. So that's the first thing that I'm picking up. If you also go to Exodus 23, we'll touch on that later. But Exodus 23, I, if I could just yeah. steal that passage a little bit and talk <laughs> about it. And Exodus 23 is about the land. God says to the people of God, you work the land for six years. On the seventh year, let the land have Sabbath. Let the land have rest, take rest. What is is happening there? Obviously, God has created the world in such a way that the world can self-heal, if you like, Mm. and it can be restored back to what it was. So you need to give the the land a break so that it can restore again. But it's more than that. Because when you come to the seventh year, what you are doing is you are saying now, I am not going to depend on what the land produces for my survival. I am going to now depend on God. So you come to (laughs) six years, you are depending on this because you have targets, you are are working really hard and you're relying on what you produce all the time. You rely on on the seventh year, you're not producing anything. No. And now the land is not producing anything. It's taking a break. Where are you going to turn? You turn to God. Yes. For the, so, so the seventh year is a moment where we pause and we recognize who made it all. Mm. And we say, you made it all. And it is not because of our hard work that we can eat. It is not because of what we do that we can survive. It's because you are the one who masters everything yes. and who rules over all. It's not anxious self-dependence. No, it's, it's not. Dependence it's not on God. Exactly. And Hebrews 4 talks about rest as well, because it talks about entering yes, rest. And uh, I think Psalm 95, it says the people of God did not enter rest. Mm. Those who did not enter the promised yes, land. Yeah. And Hebrews just kind of develops that yeah. further. And what it what it means there is that it, it means coming into Christ. When you enter Christ, you enter rest. Yeah. But rest, as in you come out of slavery, mm. this is you coming out of Pharaoh's kingdom now, even as you've just articulated, is now rest from slavery, no longer under that taskmaster and his four men, yes. even as you yeah. said under this harsh master who's saying, produce, produce, produce. Your identity does not revolve around what you produce anymore. You are now entering rest Mm. in Christ. Mm. And in Christ, it's not about what you do. It's not about the task. It's not about that. You are in Christ, free from slavery. Act as the one who is free. And I think even you said that sometimes we can live as though we are still living under Pharaoh mm. and we're still living with that sense of accumulation yeah. and the need to prove that we can we can work hard. I don't know people at home feel but yeah. there's times when everything feels like a burden. Mm. Don't you ever feel like that? Yes. Um you know if you go to the office on a Sunday or you're on Zoom right now and your boss gives you things to do, it feels like a burden. Mm. And then your family make demands on you and it feels like a burden. 
and your friends make demands and it feels like a burden. Mm. And then God seems to make demands as well. Mm. And they feel like another burden. Okay, okay, Friday, I've got to be at church. But on Friday, my kid wants to go to soccer practice. Mm. It's just burden upon burden upon burden. And reality is, if we feel burdened, especially when God is asking us to do something, and that feels like a burden, mm. reality probably is that our deity under which we're living is still Pharaoh. Yeah. Well, who, and we feel like slaves still, yes. rather than those who have entered into rest, mm. and the deity under which we live mm. is the God of okay. rest. Here's an interesting thought. I just thought about it now. You know in how in the Bible... You, 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 as a as a person, your identity mm. was based around your father. Yes. <laughs> yeah. if, um, yeah. So there are people who are called Simon the son of. Yeah, that's right. Um, so the son of is such yeah. a big thing there, and um, because you received your identity from the father. Mm. And we live in the world now where identity is sought from all kinds of things. So your title gives you an identity, yeah. your position gives you an identity. And of course your promotion. So you work hard to get promotion what so that you, you can have you produce. Yeah, yeah. What, what so you come to Dubai, what are you? What do you do? So we mm. so that's identity. Not who is your father. I mean your last name, Mason. It's after your father, your father's name, isn't it? So that's kind of how it is. And yeah. my, my last name, Mukwena, it's my father. Yeah. And that came from my father. And the reason I'm saying that is because in the kingdom of God, is very much the same. Mm. So our identity does not come from what we accumulate in the world. Our identity comes from our father. We are in his kingdom now, which means we identify with him. When he rests, we rest. Mm. When he works, we work yeah. rather than the world yeah. saying, you know what, your identity is going to be about the number of people who press like on your on your Facebook <laughs> and yes. the number of people who follow you, the mm. position you hold in the company. Yeah. And the, if you are an influencer, the number of people who are there, who, are, who you are influencing. Yeah. So you become, I think what it can do, taken too far, you become less human. Mm. You just become yeah. about the figures True. again. Yeah. And I think go back to the father again, identify with him and let your identity revolve around him yeah. and not around yeah. all that the world is defined. It seems to be that yeah. it's a thing of lordship, isn't it? I mean, yeah. God here, he's not just a religious figure mm. that we kind of bring into our lives yes. as slaves. Mm. So for, for Egypt... You know, they go to Pharaoh and they say, let us go a three days journey to worship. Um, if you like, that would have been, yeah. we'll carry on as slaves, yeah. we'll carry on living in Egypt, but just let us go and worship. Let's go to church once a week, yeah, as, it, as it were, if you like, in our, in, yeah. our, in our culture. Pharaoh says, no, I don't know the God you're talking about, and now I'm going to make life mm-hmm. harder for you. You know, God can't be, if you like, bolted onto mm. our lives as slaves. Yeah. God came to pull Egypt, uh, sorry, Israel completely out of Egypt. Yeah. In order for that to make, in order for it to become a reality that they could now live under a new deity. So what you're saying is that when people listening and watching this, the easiest thing is to go to their calendar, to yeah. do it, to, do, to go to it and try to re, re, reshuffle their schedules yes. and stuff like that. To, to say this, yeah, to say okay, I'm going to fit God in here. At least I'm going to make time for God, mm. kind of thing, rather than actually saying, I'm going to let God redefine my life altogether. Yes, yes, yeah. And I think that's a very interesting one because sometimes we, the, the more we 
we accumulate and we produce and we do all of that in that red race. Mm. Um, we seem to more and more God's voice is drowned out by all the things that we are doing yeah. because they always say they always say we you have to get me and get me now. Yeah. You're gonna miss out. And I think that's one of the things about missing out is one of the things that we oh, we struggle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you only live once. You miss out. And um, if you can do it now and do it well, then that's it. And I just want to read something again from Walter Brueggemann, okay. who says, you do not have to do more. Yeah. You do not have to sell more. You do not have to control more. You do not have to know more. You do not have to have your kids in ballet or soccer. That's interesting. You do not have to be younger or more beautiful. You do not have to score more. What does mm. that tell us? In the world of Dubai, it's always about more. Yeah. It's always about doing better. But it says, that's the kingdom of Pharaoh. Mm. It's always about more. Yeah. But in the kingdom of God, you accept it yeah. just as you are. And I, it's a challenge here. I wonder if we were to go and look, or everyone to look at their schedules for the last week. Mm. And from that, May, you know, decide and ascertain which deity we're living under. Mm. Is it the deity that says more, 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 or you get your identity from doing more, more, more? Mm. Or do we seem to be shaping our lives around the God of rest? Mm. And does our calendar, our schedule, the way we live our lives week to week demonstrate that we live under a God that we can trust to provide for us? But the challenge is just as much for those who are in full-time ministry, right? We can set our lives up around this whole idea of doing more and more and more and more. If not more, yeah. I think um, I think it's even a more of a slippery slope because mm. you convince yourself that you are doing the work of the Lord. Yes. And just because you're serving God, it doesn't mean you need to live under Pharaoh. Yeah. We can you can live under Pharaoh without realizing. That's, That's why right. I'm saying it's a slippery slope. Yeah. And you you end up pleasing God by what you do. Mm. Also, you you live under demands, isn't it? Mm. You know, you gotta be there. You gotta pray for me. Yeah. You gotta stand for me. You know, I have this issue. I have this problem. It is really hard to say no when you are working for the church. Yes. And it is also easy for you to convince yourself when you are serving Pharaoh that you're actually serving the Lord. Mm. But actually mm. in the Lord, you're free from anxiety. In the Lord, the burdens that come over you, you can cast all your burdens unto yes. God yeah. and you can live this burdenless mm. life. Mm. And I think that's the problem is that we don't realize that until you find yourself really caught up in this world where you're feeling a sense of anxiety and you feel like, oh, I can't cope anymore. Yeah. And that happens a lot. Yeah. And that's why we need to watch over one another. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for Israel, I think you know, life obviously got hard, much harder for them the minute that Moses went to Pharaoh and asked for their mm. release for, for, to take this journey to worship God. Mm. And I see, you see at the end here, Moses probably regrets, if you like, what he's done mm. in some way. He knows that he's made life harder now for, for the Israelites. And um, probably for Israel at that point and Moses for that point, mm. it came down to, uh, I guess, who they were going to trust. Mm going forward? I think that is a, a big one because actually what they are saying when they come to Moses, they they saying to, to, to God as well, they're saying, you are kidding. Are you actually asking yes. us yeah. to trust you? Yeah. 
That's basically what they're saying to God. Um, they don't phrase it that way, no. of course. They say, oh, no, if we, if we follow God, we, we're going to die here because Pharaoh is going to make it harder for us. And one of the big things is that it felt as though, and it looks as though when you're reading it, that God is ruining their reputation mm -hmm. before Pharaoh. Yes. And sometimes we can yeah. think like that in our workplace. Mm -hmm. You know, you're thinking, if I follow God, yeah. if I do things according to the principles of the kingdom of God, my reputation at work is going to be ruined. We're going to stink. We're going to stink. Yeah. God is going to ruin my reputation now. He's going to ruin my life. Do you really, God, are you really saying I should trust you in uh -huh. this? And that's, you know why that is? I think it's because we have this reality in our lives where you have work mm. and you have church or you mm. have God. And what you are saying is, I mean, not even just church, but God. You have work and you have God. And what happens is that you, you think this world of work cannot come together with, with this one. And, or, or even God does not understand yes. the things I have to do yeah, yeah. or the things I've been asked to do. Mm -hmm. Or he, doesn't, he wouldn't understand doesn't that. So for me to kind of bring God into my world of work, it just doesn't make sense at all. Because that's what the Israelites are saying. They say... <laughs> God, you don't understand here. We are talking about bricks and straws. Yeah. You don't understand the bricks and straws language. This is, our, this is our language here with Pharaoh and stuff. And by the way, you're going to embarrass us if you try to intervene because you don't understand this yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what it sounds like, yeah. Um, but actually, God is saying the two come together and shoot. And only then would you find freedom. Mm. There's no freedom if in from burdens, from anxiety, from depression, from all these things that you experience when Pharaoh is kind of coming over you without actually bringing God and say, you take over God and you now run my work and my mm. life. Mm. And because your life and your work was designed to be run by God anyway. Yes, true. And he has a great story that I think Jesus is showing the, the disciples that of course you got to trust God in both. There's a story of... Where Jesus, the someone on the mount, Jesus feeds the the, the, the five thousand. Yes. And and what happens there is the disciples are saying to Jesus, "All right, the, the sermon is finished now. You, the people have listened. They've done all the spiritual stuff. It's time for them to go and fend for themselves and go and eat." Mm. And this, Jesus says, "No, you feed them." And they said, "No, no, no. We do the religious stuff. These people came here for faith." Not for all that stuff, but the God who is the God of faith is also the God of provision. Yes. He yeah. is in both. Right. And that's why he said, I'm going to show you that actually I speak this language of, yeah. you know, the faith language. And I also bring that language into your, this fear, mm. which is a mm. fear of, you know, you know, being provided for eating yeah. and all that. And what he does is that he turns the loaves and the fishes. Yeah. into just a load of food yeah. that they were able to eat. Yeah. What he's Very saying good. there is like both worlds are mine. Yes. You know, let me take over in that world. Yeah. So, but if we keep saying, are you sure we should trust you here? What we end up doing is we end up plunging into that world, which eventually leads to depression, yeah. leads to stress, leads to all kinds of things. But also, I think what we are saying there is that I'm so busy now, I can't make it for any 
God stuff or church meetings yes. or services yeah. or that sort of. When you get to that point in your life where you cannot really come out and you're enslaved in that way, and I call it slavery, mm. you're enslaved in that way, pause for a moment and, and consider Christ and say, I cannot do this without Jesus. Yeah. I need him to take yeah. over now. Lord, change my situation, change my life so that I will have my Sabbath. I will have my rest. I will engage with you. And believe me, mm. he will take mm. over. Yeah. Why don't you pray for us? Father God, thank you that you know, your word says your burden is light. Your yoke is easy. You're not a God that burdens us. You're actually a God that takes our burdens. And you're a God that provides for us. Mm. I just want to pray right now for anyone who is feeling anxious. Mm. Like they're carrying too many burdens. Yeah, like they can't keep up. Well, I want to pray for anyone who feels like they cannot challenge the system in which they live right now. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come and intervene right now. I pray that you would come and minister to them. I pray that you would take their burdens. I pray that you would free them from anxiety. And anyone, Lord, right now who feels like they have become a commodity, mm. that they are being exploited for the gain of other people. Mm. Lord, I want to pray that you would just reveal that you are a God of love to them. Mm. I pray that you would show them how you see them. You do not see them as a commodity. Mm. You do not see them as someone to be dispatched in order to produce and produce. You see them as a son or a daughter that you love dearly. Yes. I pray that our lives would reflect you and demonstrate that we serve the God of rest, yes. that we do not serve the God of endless anxiety. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm glad you joined us this week. I hope you had a lovely time. You enjoyed the message. God bless you and see you next see you week. Soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Exodus series. To find out more about City Hill, visit www.cityhillglobal.com. We'd love to hear from you.